Hey, you're listening to Blue Jean Church's podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. To learn more about Blue Jean Church in Selma, Alabama, visit us at www.bluejeanselma.com. felt like there could have been a much bigger applause when my name was first mentioned in the outreach opportunities, but I'll let my insecurities go for this morning. How's everybody feeling this morning? I got to spend almost half the day with Colin yesterday, so Dr. McConnerty, in case y'all don't know that. We had a great time catching up and talking about the Lord and women and horror movies and everything else you could think. So I am fired up this morning. I really am. I woke up this morning, my heart is so full, I am so amped and uh, excited about what I feel like God uh, has on my heart to share, and I'll share a little story that happened with us earlier this week as well in the message, which hopefully will make a little more sense. So uh, I have a friend of mine who's here today, his name's Mike Swafford, he called me a couple weeks ago and asked me, was I preaching anywhere in the near future? And I said, yeah, I'm going to be preaching at Blue Jean on this time. And he's like, man, I really feel like the Lord has put on my heart to share a testimony. And so he drove down from Anniston, Oxford area, Heflin, Ramburn, Georgia, anywhere in that area. So uh, he's somewhere over there. And uh, he drove down today to share a testimony. So I will try to keep our message from running too long um, and give him a little time to share, and then my beautiful wife Holly will be sharing and leading us in communion today, which would be amazing. Uh, Miss Shelby brought her pillow in this morning, and I said, oh my God, like, it, please, let's hope we don't need a pillow today to sit on. So um, I want to jump right in of what I felt like God has put on my heart, if y'all don't mind. So in verse 30, if we go to the book of Numbers, I'm sure y'all are all in the book of Numbers recently. Uh, in the book of Numbers, chapter 13, Verse 30, it says, Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, We should go up and take possession of the land, for certainly we can do it. But the men who had gone up with him said, There's no way we can attack those people. They are much stronger than us. They spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land that they had explored, and the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size, is what they said. We saw the Nephilim, and uh, they were the descendants of Anak, and uh, we seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. Uh, As we start, I want you to kind of think about that for just a second. We seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes and look the same to them. All week this week, the Lord has been reminding me that our perception of Him and our perception of ourselves is really what determines our purpose and our plans in the Lord. Because if we see him in a wrong way, if we see ourselves in a wrong way, sometimes what it can do is just keep us stuck in the same place. And all week I've been hearing the Lord say, like, you've got to change that perception. He's talking to me individually, so if you guys know me by now, I kind of preach whatever the Lord's doing to me. So this message is for me. If you get anything out of it, then awesome, right? Uh, As the handmaid's tale says, praise be. Uh, But what I want to share is what I feel like the Lord is doing. When we first started coming down here, people started saying, oh my God, Selma needs revival. I'm so glad you're thinking about going there. And since I've been here, I've seen several revival tents and a couple of pastors said, we just need revival. I hate that word. 
I hate revival because revival means something's dead. I don't want to be dead. I don't need revived. I'm alive. If I'm new in Christ, I'm a new creation. I don't need revived. But I do appreciate the sentiment behind the word. And if we use it in the right context, then I definitely am all for using the word revival. So revival in the right context means it's a reintroduction of God reintroducing himself to you in a new way. Almost as if he's pulling the curtain back and letting you see who he really is. And I don't feel revival is just God reintroducing himself to us because we definitely need that. But I really believe that we're in a season, and I feel like we're in a season, where God is reintroducing us to ourselves. And that's what's been happening in my life is God has kind of been reintroducing me to myself, which means I'm going to go and pull the old Matt that used to be back here. I want to pull him and fast-forward him all the way up here so he can stand face-to-face with the new creation of Matt, and he can see who he's really supposed to be. All that untapped potential that's in there. God wants you to see about yourself. A wiser you, a stronger you, a more resilient you, a healthier you, a newer you, or more passionate you, a more compassionate you. Uh, I mean, God wants to take the old, that's what the real context of revival is, not just for himself, but he wants to take the old you, fast forward you so you can pull the curtain back on yourself and see this is who God really created me to be. That's revival. If that's what we're talking about, then I'm all for it. If we're talking about putting a tent up and having a service and nothing changing Monday through Friday or Monday through Saturday, I don't want any part of that. But if you're talking about God reintroducing himself to you, you knowing who he really is, and then God introducing you to yourself and you finding out who you really are, and then you start living out your plan and purpose in God, then yes, I'm all about revival. But I think in order to do that, we've got to have a right perception. We've got to perceive God for who he really is, and we have to really perceive ourselves. What's the Bible say? Don't think too highly of yourself. (laughs) Like, give yourself an accurate account of who you really are. And it's okay if you've got shortcomings and failures and faults, and you're not where you think you need to be, but at least be honest with yourself. You don't have to tell us. You don't have to tell me. You don't even have to tell God. But at least be honest with yourself. That way, when you see yourself who you really are, you can allow God, who you're really seeing for who he really is, to make you into whatever that thing is. It's not about a church service or a program or God doing something supernatural. It's literally you just walking in who he created you to be. And so I've really felt like God was giving me a message this week about we've got to see him differently, see ourselves differently. What does Job say? After all of Job's troubles... Which, by the way, I identify with Job so much in my life. But after all of Job's troubles, in Job 42, 5 through 6, he says this, My ears have heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in the dust and the ashes. It wasn't until he saw God for who he really was that he could come out of that pit he was in. And I think if we could get a real accurate perception of who God is and and Bob does such an amazing job every week of reinforcing that a God of kindness a God of loving a God of compassion a God of that accepts you exactly where you are like you hear it here all the time but do we really believe it because if we really believed it we would come out of that pit that we're in and that's what Job says I've heard about it 
Right? I've heard you talking about it. I've heard about it on Wednesday nights. I've heard about it on Sunday. But God, now I see you. I see you for who you really are. And when you see that God of kindness, there is no answer other than love. It, it, it expresses it onto you, and then it overflows out to others. There is no way. Um, there was a, one of the Bethel singers. Shout out to Josh. Every time I mention Bethel, Josh gets some kind of credit. Um, but there was a Bethel song years ago, and she used to say at the end of the song, like, if you have an encounter with God, you'll never be the same. 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 It's so true. When you experience that kindness, you get that real perception of who God is. There is no way you can't be changed. You will never be the same. Something has to change. So this passage of story uh, in, in Exodus that I wanted to read to you and in Numbers is, is kind of the beginning of what a, uh, the truth is that God was showing me. But it was just the beginning. So we pick up the story in Numbers but the actual passage starts way back in Exodus. So we're in Numbers, you know, where it says that. But if you back all the way up, this story actually begins in the book of Exodus, which excites me. And I was telling Colin about this yesterday because the book of Exodus, the actual title of it means exit. So Exodus means exit, which means we serve a God of exits. Now, why does that excite me? Because that means I can never be trapped. You may say I'm trapped. It may look like I'm trapped. You may, you may tell others I'm trapped. But if I serve a God of exodus, there is always a way out. I always have an exit. That excites me. Why? Well, one, I get in a lot of trouble. <laughs> and I need God to get me out of it. And if I serve a God of exodus, a God of exits, that means I always have a way out. That excites me. Well, you, say, you may say, well, Matt, that's just you. Well, no, I can prove it to you in Scripture. Well, where is it in Scripture? I'm glad you asked, Jason. I've got a Scripture for you. In 1 Corinthians 10, 13, the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. Now, how, how many of us get in that hole? There's nobody going through what I'm going through. Nobody knows the struggles, I, Right? But it says, God is what? Faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so you can endure. There is nothing that we will go through that God will not provide a way out of. And there's nothing we're going through that others have not gone through themselves, including the Son of God. So he can identify with us and know there's a way out. So I don't know if that excites you, it excites me. Tell your neighbor, your help is on the way. See, we pick up this story in Exodus. These people spent 400 years in captivity. I complain if Holly doesn't do something the next day when I'm, you know, feeling insecure. 400 years of captivity. They sit there in bondage, in struggle, until when? If you read the scripture, they stayed in captivity until they cried out to God for help. 400 years of suffering until they did what? Simply cry out, I need help. And as soon as they cried out, their help was on the way. Now, it doesn't happen as quickly as we would like, but their help was on the way. So what happens? They cry out to God, 
and, and they say, God, we need help. We're in bondage. We're struggling. And God doesn't respond to them. God responds to who? Moses. Now listen to me for a second. The Israelites cry out for help. God speaks to Moses. The Israelites cry out to God. God speaks to Moses. Trying to make a point here. The Israelites cry out to who? And God speaks to Moses. I don't know how many times I've been crying out to God, thinking I'm not being heard, I'm not getting spoken to, he's not answering my prayers, he's not doing anything, when the entire time he's speaking to the answer that is needed. Trying to convince the answer to accept the assignment to come and help me. See, a lot of the time God uses us to answer those prayers. That's why these outreach opportunities are so important. Jesus, while he's here in spirit, right, the Holy Spirit is inside of us, we are the hands and feet. You know, we, we want to preach about Paul and Peter and all these different things, but that's who we are now. We are the hands and feet. And so God, speaking to Moses, is a great example of him speaking to one of us. We are the answer of someone's prayers that's in here today. We are the one God is speaking to that says, you need to go and do this, you need to go and do that, you need to go and do this. And what, what's so funny is if we don't see it, we don't perceive it. Because we're crying out for God, asking him to help us, and we're thinking he's going to speak directly to us, and sometimes he may. But in the story, he's speaking to Moses, trying to convince Moses to go do what he asked him to do. Convincing Moses of the assignment to go free these people. I think it's such an amazing story. And Moses, bless his heart, does exactly what I would do, which is come up with every excuse why I'm not the answer. I'm not the guy. Uh, uh, you know, I'm not the right guy. If you don't remember this, I murdered somebody not long ago and ran away. I mean, you know, there, there's a lot of excuses there. I stutter. I mean, I'm not the greatest speaker. You don't want me up at Blue Jean, you know, going, uh, 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 I mean, I, I can't do it, God. And what's amazing to me is that all of his uh, excuses of why he couldn't do it and all of his inadequacies, inadequacies of, God, I'm not the person to do this, was exactly what qualified him to be the person. Because God said, you're exactly right. You can't do this. And that's why you're the person to do it. Why? Because the fact that you know you can't do it means you're going to lean on me all the way. You're going to call to me, you're going to follow me, you're going to pray to me, you're going to look to me because you know you're not the answer, I am. But I'm using you to be the answer for these people. And when Moses saw that, when he perceived it and saw it the right way, and then saw himself as, wow, I am inadequate, but I don't have to be that way because when I'm weak, he is strong. And greater is he that's in me that's in the world. And Moses just had this you know, overwhelming of, oh, wow, I'm, I am the guy. But it came out of knowing he was inadequate. Several weeks ago, I, sh I shared that with you. Being broken means you're equipped to do the work of God. That's what actually equips you to do it. That's the root word of it. To be equipped means you're broken. Mending a broken bone. And so Moses realizes that Moses is like, oh my gosh, I'm not the guy. I'm broken. I'm stuttering. I can't do this. I've murdered people. I mean, there's no way I'm the guy. And God says, that's exactly why you're the guy. And so Moses says, okay, well, if I'm the guy, I can do this, okay? 
you know, I just picture Moses having this conversation with God. It's like one of our meetings with Bob or, you know, a meeting with your boss or something. Okay, if I'm doing this, then you just tell me who sent me. I need some backup here. Like, I've explained all my weaknesses, but if you want me to do it, you tell me who you are. And, you know, Moses gets ready and gets his phone out, opens his note out, and he's like, okay, I'm going to take down the, so t tell me what, what do I need to tell him. And God says, uh, I am. And Moses says, okay, I am. I am what? Uh, that's your response, I am? And I could just picture God saying, I am blank. And Moses says, okay, I got it. I space am space underscore blank. All right, what does that mean? And God says, I've got to leave it blank because you have no idea what I'm going to have to be in your life. And so what I want to do is say, I am, and give you a blank. That way when you run up on something that you don't know what to do, you don't know who's going to help you, I can fill in whatever blank that is. Oh, my health is not good. Well, I am your healer. Oh, my finances are not good. Well, I am your provider. Oh, I'm in trouble. I'm in jail. I'm on drugs. I'm in alcohol. I'm in a bad marriage. I don't know what. I am your savior. God gives you a blank check to write and cash in anytime you need it. He's our help. I'll never forget, I was in Honduras. Uh, Mary can relate to this. Uh, I was in Honduras, woke up with extreme diarrhea, having terrible stomach issues, just to be completely transparent with you. We ended up, uh, the pastor telling us we're going to go to this place. It's like an hour and a half off of a dirt road, the most bumpy road we're going to be on. The whole time there, I'm like, oh, my God, this is about to be a messy situation. Uh, we get there, and we were two with two Assembly of God pastors that wanted to preach two-hour services. Uh, it, was, it was maybe the worst day of my entire life. And while we're standing there in this field, Mary and them got to experience a church building. When we were there, there was no buildings. We were out in the middle of a field with donkeys running around and sun blaring on you, and you're just cooking in the sun. And to be sick in that situation was horrible. And if you're a man, you realize that we are much, when we're sick, we're a lot worse off than women. I told Holly this week I had a cold. I said, unless you've had a childbirth, Without having an epidural, there's no way you can experience what a man experiences when he has a cold, okay? And so I'm standing in this field, and my stomach is just gurgling, and we're listening to this preaching, and I'm looking up, and it's nothing but mountains. And just like that, I heard the Lord give me a psalm. And I turned to it, and I started reading it, and it said, Look to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. And I heard the Holy Spirit say, these people walk miles, six to eight miles, to come to a service, expecting that if they come there, God's going to heal them from whatever's going on. They don't have a doctor they can just run to like I could. They don't have medicine they could just grab at a CVS. They are literally looking and expecting that God is going to meet them there and heal their body. And so I said, well, God, I need you as healer today. And just like that, I felt no issues. I mean, it was completely gone. And I thought, man, my help really does come from the hills. It really does come from the Lord. You know, if we could get that, if we could perceive it correctly and access it the way that he intends us for us, anytime, 
whatever we need. It's there. It's available. I got to experience it in real life this week. So we, we had a, a staff meeting this week, uh, if you can call it that. It's a very small staff. So we had a little porch meeting. Um, and after the meeting, uh, we had some more meetings. But before the meetings, Bob and I are walking up the road. Do you mind if I share this? I'm going to do it anyway. But uh, <laughs> Bob and I are walking up the road. We're walking the dogs, which are the loves, loves of his life. You remember me. I'm not a big fan of them because they broke my fishing poles. But we're walking with the dogs. We get up to the end of the road. We turn around, and one of the dogs are gone. And, uh, and, of course, Bob is distraught. We look for it for a little while, go through the woods, look for it. We can't find it anywhere. It, it's Grady, which I'll never forget now. Uh, Grady has some cataract issues, can't see very well, got distracted or lost and went off in the woods, and, and we just couldn't find it. Well, Bob cancels all the meetings. He's like, these meetings are over. Like, we've got to find this dog. And so me and another guy stay around and help out a little bit. We start looking for the dog, but we couldn't find it anywhere. So we just keep looking, 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 looking. And the whole time, I'm thinking about what I wanted to preach about today, and the Lord just keep, kept reminding me, man, your help's on the way. And at one point even, Bob said, Holy Spirit, help us find this dog. Like, we need to find this dog. And I thought, that's exactly right. He's accessing what he needs at that time. Help me find my dog. Now, we didn't find it for a while. I mean, it was a while. And so as we look and it realizes we're not getting anywhere, Bob calls for help. He calls Robert. He calls Ann. He's like, hey, I need y'all to come help me. Tells them the story. They come over there. Holly calls me. She's like, do I need to help? And I'm like, at, the, at this moment, no. We've got two streets, and I'm passing everybody like every two minutes. But we still haven't found Grady. Hours go by. Hours go by. And all of a sudden, Bob texts me, and he's like, hey, we found the dog. It's like three hours later. Uh, Robert finds Grady coming in off of, of the backside of the property. And so we all get back together, and we're all celebrating and stuff. And Ann tells us a story. She said, you know, five minutes before we found the dog, or a few minutes before we found the dog, I had texted someone and said, hey, pray for us. We're, Grady's lost, blah, blah, blah. And she said that they told her, I have prayed and released angels on assignment to come out there, specifically a lost and found angel to find the dog. And within five minutes, boom, Grady shows up. You can't make this stuff up. Is that just a coincidence? Is that just a, I mean, I, does that not amaze anyone else? I mean, I know it's just a dog. But the fact that God cares so much about every detail of our life that he would send an angel to find a dog so everybody could get back to their lives. That's amazing to me. And, and, you know, you would say, well, maybe, maybe that's just for a dog or maybe that's not, a, that's not biblical or you're not an animal lover. I mean, whatever your story would be. But in Daniel chapter 10, that's exactly what happened in the Scripture. Daniel's praying, asking God for help, asking God for an answer, and as soon as he prays, God sends an angel to answer him. And the angel was de detoured for several weeks fighting with the enemy until he could show up. That's exactly, but, but, but the fighting with the enemy is not the part I want you to grab. I want you to listen to this. In Daniel 10, 12 through 13, it says, Daniel continued 
And the angel said, Do not be afraid, Daniel, since the first day you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before God, what? Your words have been heard, and I have come in response to them. But the prince of Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. Michael, one of the chief princes, came and helped me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. From the first day. That excites me because that means the first time we even think about it, man, God, I need your help. Boom, the answer's on the way. Now, it may be delayed. It may take a little more time. It may not be immediate, but we can rest in the promise that we know his answer is on the way. So wherever you're at today, whatever issue you've got going on, whatever circumstance is going on, know that your answer is on the way. You may not even have even vocalized it yet, but the fact that God knows our thoughts knows that you need something, and he's providing for it. It's on the way. That's crazy to me. See, in chapter 3, they start rejoicing. We're going to come out of we're going to come out of Egypt. We're going to leave all this bondage. We're going to do all this stuff. But it wasn't until chapter 12 that it happens. <laughs> what, what happened between chapters 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11? That seems to be our lives. We rejoice in chapter 3, but then we just suffer. <laughs> You know, several chapters until the answer shows up. I love when people say, man, I was just, you know, I was on drugs and I was free. Took, you know, took one, one last hit and boom, was completely delivered. Well, that's amazing, but that's not the way it happens for most people. Or I struggled with alcohol and then, you know, picked it up and couldn't even take a sip of it. You know, I, for most people, it's a process. And we give up on that process too quickly thinking our answer is not on the way, our help is not on the way. In Exodus 14, continuing the story, in verse 21, I'll just give you a couple more insights that I, I picked out of this verse. It says, Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and all that night, by the way, I've been in, I'm 48 years old. I've been in church 48 years and nine months. And every time I read a story, I, f I think I, I learned something new. <laughs> I was reading this passage in Exodus, and I never put this together before. It says, Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and all that night the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land. Now, I have read that. I have used that as a scripture. I have preached that, and it says the waters were divided. But what I was focusing on, because I've been talking with a friend of mine who was uh, recently baptized here at Blue Jean, and it got me thinking about baptism. It says that the water was pushed completely black, back, and I believed that. What I never understood or saw until this week was that the land was dry after it happened. I would have thought the water might have been pushed back, and then it would have been muddy, and you're walking through there, and you're getting stuff on your shoes and all that kind of stuff, and because I'm very vain when it comes to those things. Like when we were looking for the dog, I told Thomas, well, you've got boots on. Why don't you go in the woods? I'll drive the road. Like, uh, you know, I don't have boots on today. So uh, in my mind, reading the story, I'm putting myself in the same story, and I'm like, well, surely the, they were walking across, and they were muddy, and it was, there was no mud. It was dry. 
And as I was talking to the, this person who had been baptized here, man, I got such a great picture of baptism. Because Paul uses that a lot to talk about the Red Sea as baptism. That, that, that it opens up, your enemies come through, and God closes it in and all that. But I had a new revelation of it this week, that if the land was dry, that means there were no footprints, which meant that nobody could track them, which means that all evidence of your past is no longer there. So when God brings us out of something, when we come out of trouble or God shows up, it's not that he just shows up and gets us out of it. He shows up and gets us out of it where there's no trace that we've ever been there. That means I am no longer an adulterer. I can't say, oh, God, God healed me of, of being an adulterer. You were never an adulterer. If you're a new creation in Christ, there is no evidence of your past. You're only a child of God, a son of God, a daughter of God. There is no evidence. I am not a drug addict and I'm six months clean. No, you're a child of God, a son of God, a daughter. I'm no longer All evidence, every footprint completely gone. Maybe y'all are much better than me, but that excites me because I've left a lot of footprints in places I shouldn't have been. And the fact that they're completely gone with no evidence gives me such hope that when I call on God for whatever it is, He doesn't just pull me out of it. He pulls me out of it and erases every evidence that I've ever been there. That means every bad thing I've done, every word I've spoken, everything I've said. I mean, it, it, that's crazy to me. I showed Holly a TikTok last night. And... uh Maybe y'all are not on TikTok, but uh, a guy was explaining, Colin and I were talking about this. We were talking about the thieves on the cross yesterday on the way to Montgomery. And uh, last night, all of a sudden, this TikTok shows up, and I tell Holly, I'm like, Holly, can you believe this TikTok is talking about this? And she said, well, of course they can. Your iPhone's listening to you and, you know, all that. kind. So I show her this TikTok, and the guy's explaining the gospel with the thieves on the cross, and they said, he was given a quote, and he said, this is the way I like to respond when people say this question. He said that the guy in this essay was writing, and he said, well, if St. Peter, and, and of course Holly says, well, why is St. Peter always the one at the gate? But he said, if St. Peter is at the gate, and he asked you, why are you going to be able to come in? He was talking about one of the thieves on the cross. And he said, if I'm standing at the gate and I'm asking the thief on the cross, why do you think you should come in today? And the thief on the cross responds, I have no idea, but the guy on the middle cross told me that I could be here. That's exactly what it's saying in Exodus. There is no evidence of your past. Absolutely no footprint. Israel walks through, everyone else drowns. Why? And it's one of my favorite catches of the story is because Pharaoh was following a word that was not for him. Man, that's how we get in trouble a lot of the times when we start following things that was not from God. We start doing what somebody else told us to do. We start doing what we want to do, and we don't give God a second thought of what he called us to do. Pharaoh jumped in the water following a word that wasn't him, and it completely drowned him. He told Moses and them to go through. He didn't tell Pharaoh. So we get back to our original text. They get to the land. You know the story. The 12 spies are sent out. Two of them see God. Ten of them see that Grady's lost, and there's no hope. 
and convince everybody else there's no hope. And what they convince them is, is what I feel like that most of our churches are in today's world, which is that it's not as bad as it used to be, so we'll just settle for it being better than that. But we're not going to press forward into the land of what we know is better. We're just going to settle here. And so the two spies see God, the other ten say, you know what, this is not as bad as bondage. Can't we just stay here and not really go in and fight and take the land? So it was definitely better than what they were in, but it was not what God intended for them to be. It was not the best that God had for them. And man, have I done that. Have I settled for less than what I thought God wanted for me? Could just be a little extra push. Could be just a little further. Could just be a little walk you know, down the road, turn the corner, open the next door, open the window. All those stupid sayings Christians say when you're having a hard time, right? If God closes a window, he'll open another. If he shuts a door, there's got to be a different hallway. I mean, all the ridiculous things people say when you're going through something, and you just want to give them the middle finger and say, you know what, you know, you talk to me when you're going through it. All those stupid sayings people like to throw out at us. It's ridiculous. But that's what we do. We pause and we settle for less than what God really wanted for us. Why? Because we don't see God for who he really is, and we don't see ourselves for who we really are. And we don't believe that either we deserve the help, that God's sending the help, that we need the help, and so we just kind of pause. And we say, you know what, this is better than what I was in. I'll just settle and stay here. And we set up camp, and we camp out there until at some point, we have an encounter like Moses did with the real God. We ended up in that place where we see our burning bush or we see something happen and we know we've got to have God, right? It, it just it explodes. When you see God show up that way, there's always a response. Bob said he was praying in tongues the whole time after Grady was found. I mean, there is a response when God shows up, right? When God shows up and you need him, there's always going to be a change, always going to be a response. He's always there, but they settled for less. We give up on God answering our prayer, and we give up before somebody is answering the assignment that God called for them. So we all have a purpose and a plan and a destiny, but our calling is when God invites us to step out into something and answer that calling. So I may have a purpose and plan here. I may have a you know, a destiny on me that I'm supposed to be doing something. But when God sends out a calling, what he's sending out, he's like, hey, Colin, I got something for you to do. Will you answer it? And he will stay there and spend as much time as he needs with Colin to, to, until Colin accepts that assignment. And the amazing thing for me is that that assignment for Colin could be an answered prayer for Shelby. Could be an answer. I mean, it could be, right? We could be the answer. It could be us. We could be Moses. And most of the time we are. Look around the room real quick. Just take a second. Look at your neighbor. Look at them real good because more than likely, God's going to answer your prayers through someone you're looking at. It's the people in this room. It's the people you see every day. That's our ministry. That's our community. These are the Moses in the room that God's talking to. Isn't that crazy to think? What's crazy to me is that if you showed up today really needing an answer, it's in the room. Your help is here. It just blows me away.
I've just been blown away by God this week through losing a dog, through experiencing a story that I've read a, a hundred times, knowing that God is ready and willing to show up for us and help us. Isn't that amazing? We'll let Mike come up and share, and then we'll, he won't share a little testimony, and then we'll wrap it up here in a little bit. Thank you. Just want to share a real quick testimony that kind of goes right along with the message, um, kind of how me and Matt came came to be, came to meet. I was one of those guys that found myself in one of those holes that nobody had had ever been in before, like he talked about. You know, poor old me. You know, in one of those holes that I'd been digging for years and years and years of shame and regret, um, addiction, all the all the things that you could think of that we tend to get ourselves in this hole. And people was passing by my whole life for years and years. People would pass by and would see me, even in the church. They would see me and they would throw out those sayings he was talking about. You just need the Lord in your life. Thanks. How do I get out of the hole? You just need to keep grinding. So that's what I did. I kept grinding. I kept digging. I kept digging. And I found myself just in a hole that I couldn't get out of. It was too deep. There's no way out. And I'm tired. I'm tired of digging. I'm just ready to give up because I don't know what else to do. Maybe this is what was meant to be. Maybe this was, this was maybe what's supposed to happen to me. That was the lies that I was hearing. But I was at a point where I was just ready to give up. But I cried out, God, I'm done. I can't go on anymore. I've got to have help. I can't dig anymore. I don't know how to get out. I don't know how to get out. And then one day, Matt comes by and looks down in the hole and sees me, and he jumps down there with me. And I say, what are you doing? I don't know how to get out. What are you doing? Now we're both stuck. Now we're both going to be here. What are you doing? I've dug this big hole. I don't know how to get out. Instead of helping me, you jump down in the hole. Now we're both stuck. And I will never forget. He told me, he said, it's okay. I've been here before. I know how to get out. I've been here before. Church, you don't understand where I'm coming from. I was at my wit's end. I've been praying to God. Nothing. I kept digging. Things kept getting worse. And then all of a sudden, the one person that can help me jumps in the hole with me. And he says, it's okay. I've been here before. I know how to get out. I know how to get out. Just like you said earlier in the message, a lot of times the answer that God sends is somebody else. A lot of times you could be that answer that he's sending. You know, I don't know much about the Bible, but he was in the book of Exodus, you know, talking about that fellow Pharaoh. And there's a story in there um, in chapter 8, you know, that uh, the frogs done got out of the, out of the creek banks and they're everywhere. Man, it's, it's getting bad. Things are, things are pretty bad. And Pharaoh calls Moses in there and says, look here, you know, you got to do something about the frogs. They're everywhere. They're in the bed. We can't sleep at night. Things are getting rough. And Moses said, you call it. He said, you call it, buddy. He said, when do you want the frogs to leave? And Pharaoh said, tomorrow. He said, tomorrow. Which brings me back to my point. I don't understand that. Why spend another night with the frogs? If your situation is that bad, why spend another night in that hole? You don't have to. If you're sitting here this morning, it's not by accident. It's not by chance. 
your answer could very well be in this room. Today's the day of salvation. Today's the day of restoration. You just simply have to cry out to God. I found myself in a position where I couldn't get out of, and, and, and the Lord sent me mad. And the help that I received wasn't like what I thought that I was going to be getting, okay? I got much more than a helper, you know. I got a brother. I got a mentor. I got somebody that was in the hole with me. It's real easy for us to sit up in our real comfortable places and tell people, you know, this is what you should do, or this is it's a whole other thing to get down on that level with them and show me how to get out of that hole. It's a whole other level to actually be the love of Jesus. Why spend another night with the frogs? You don't have to. Holly or Matt. Let's stay there. Before we do communion, let's take a let's take a pause because I feel like God, if you were here a few weeks ago when Colin was saying God wants to heal some people, like I want to pause and give some space for God to move after that testimony. This, this ties in. I'm going to give it right back to you to do what you just said. But I want to, I want to testify that last week, you know, for, we're doing communion a little different. Uh, we felt like the Lord, when Colin got us to pray, that there's healing, that there's Jesus is what we need, our help. And, uh, and so last week, we took a minute to pray. And I prayed with somebody that was needing a breakthrough that had for months and months and months waiting on answers, waiting on a solution, waiting on something. And, and we just prayed. I mean, we really strapped it on and asked for a breakthrough. And like the next day or day after, the breakthrough came. And the solution is on the way. And he, I got a text from him, and he was like, dude, God showed up. And I was like, golly this thing works you know and so what what i'm doing is building faith i'm just saying that this is a message it's consistent with what's happening and the way it played out what the message that matt's talking about and mike and all this it, it played out in this sanctuary last sunday with a simple prayer of somebody getting in the hole with somebody that needed something and praying. That's all it was. And a breakthrough came. And so, as they say, something's up with this, y'all. We are on the right track. And so we're going for it. We're going for it. So, yeah, let's everybody stand up for just a second. We'll do communion here at the end. We're way ahead of time, by the way. So everybody can relax. We'll let Rick grab his guitar here prophesy a little bit on the guitar believe me I do not get a big head when Mike's talking about me because I've left several people in those holes and never did one thing to help it just was God answering Mike's prayer that day was the it was the solution it wasn't about me it was about Mike it was about God answering his prayer and I want to take a second before we end up the service with communion and give us space and time for God to move like if you've heard that message today, if you need help, if you're in your circumstances, like I'm a huge believer in prophetic acts, meaning 
step out and walk down your Red Sea, you know, come down front, let somebody pray for you. Mike would love to pray for you. Um, and so let's just take a second. Rick's going to play a little bit. If you need prayer for anything, if you need help, if you need help from, you know, if you need an answer, come down front. Josh, Mary, whoever, um, come down front and let's just take a second and let God move. Okay?
Stay where you're at for a few more seconds. James was just telling us he came down, had a pinched nerve in his shoulder blade. Colin just prayed for him and all the pain left just now. Completely healed. And so wherever you're at right now, as Rick just keeps playing, put your hand on anything on your body that you have a need for a healing. Just place your hand anywhere where you have something going on. And so, Lord, we just say right now, if you're healing people, if you're moving in this room, do it right now. It says, by your stripes, we are healed. And so we just declare, whatever it is, wherever our hand is touching, is completely healed. Every nerve, every ligament, every muscle, every tendon, every blood pressure, every disease, everything in this room that is exalting itself above the name of Jesus has to come down. And we say, we are fully healed in Jesus' name. Just receive that. needed to be healed of something and Colin last week preached or two weeks ago that the old covenant said if you do this I will heal you but he went on to say the new covenant is we should treat every sickness and disease as affliction from the devil and so I want to pray today that those of us who have lost hope that God is going to step into our situation and heal us or deliver us or save us. You know, that's the definition of a stronghold. Anywhere that you have lost hope that God can turn it around. And so I say right now that strongholds are going to be broken during communion today. And I say that we're going to have hope that God is going to manifest in our lives and our bodies what he has already said was finished. Maybe today when prayer was offered, you didn't come up because you, like me, thought, I'm not doing what I need to do to be healed, to be saved, to be delivered. But I'm here to tell you that's a lie from the enemy to keep you in bondage. He loves you. He wants you to be whole and healed and delivered and free. Just Wednesday was the holiest day of the year, Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. And as I was walking and meditating on Wednesday and praying to God, his death and resurrection seemed so significant knowing that he was the once and for all lamb that was sacrificed for us. And so we just want to um, take communion today and remember the great cost it represents. I heard a pastor from Kazakhstan say, hold communion like a treasure it was a very expensive blood 
And so that very expensive blood that we're going to take today is going to do everything that you need it to do to bring healing and deliverance, not just to your body, but to your mind and your soul. Your soul is your mind, will, and emotions. There are a lot of things in us that need to be healed and delivered. And so as we um, take the wafer, and thank you, Matt, that you opened it for me. Um, this is Jesus' body. This is his body, this wafer. And he was broken so that our mind, our will, our emotions, our bodies, and our spirits could be healed. Could be healed. And so as you take this wafer today, believe it. Have faith that he will do it in Jesus' name. Thank you, God, for your broken body so that I don't have to be broken. And this juice, this juice represents the blood that was shed by Jesus on the cross once and for all, for everybody and for everything. And so I thank you, God, that you are the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. You take away the sin of the world and have saved us. And so thank you, God, for your blood. What a cost this blood was. And so I thank you, Father, for restoring hope in your finished work through your resurrection and that death is defeated. Amen. That was awesome. Oh, so good. Hey, before we scratch off, I want to say a, another thing, another testimony. Uh, Matt, this is, uh, we got in the hole with, with someone that was in the hole, and I asked him last Sunday if he minded me uh, pointing him out. But Adrian Smith, raise your hand, New York Yankees, Adrian Smith back there. He is a friend of mine from way back and uh, began to come to Blue Jean when we were uh, in the Warren room at First Pres. And uh, he, he had a, a addiction issue. He was drinking. And he would come, and he'd been drinking. And he'd cry down in the front of the uh, Blue Jean room. And uh, we'd say, it doesn't matter. You just come on. You know, God's, God's going to meet you here. He's going to set you free. It's okay. Don't be ashamed. Come on. Come on. Well, eventually, after coming for a few months, Adrian got plugged in. He's a veteran. So he got plugged in with the veterans program in, in Tuscaloosa. And he's been, he's been free uh, in recovery ever since. And he's actually working for the uh, Veterans Administration, helping, getting in the hole and helping other people get out of the hole. Yeah. And... And he came last Sunday, and I told him, I said, Adrian, that's the coolest thing. I mentioned you. I said, I changed your name, but I mentioned you in my message a couple of weeks ago and told about you. And I said, I saw your sister ride by in her car when I left the church that day. And I said, oh, my gosh, tell Adrian. I said, hey, and here you are. So we're seeing a real-life example of what we just heard. Now that's a testimony. That's awesome. Let's pray. Lord, you know, when we see 
things like this happening, do you know what it does for us? It, it's just, Lord, we're, we're, we just need your encouragement so much. We need your encouragement so much. Thank you for encouraging us this morning and for, for showing us, you know, how real you are, um, that, that you hear us. We're not praying to something that's a hit and a miss. It's not like we're at the fair, um, you know, picking up ducks and wishing and hoping we get the prize. Lord, you hear us. You respond. You're, you're good. You're powerful. You're everything we need. Lord, we just thank you that you are a real God, that you love us, and that you are kind, and that you're good, period. End of discussion. Um, you're our healer. You're everything we need. You're the great I am. And Lord, we are your sons and your daughters. Happy to be your sons and daughters. Lord, thank you for meeting with us this morning. Thank you for the message and the testimonies. Thank you for Mike. Thank you for everybody that's here. I won't mention everybody, but there are new faces here um, that uh, we're so glad to see. And, and I hope when I'm saying that, you know who you are because uh, we're really glad to see you here and to see you back. Um, Lord, as we wrap up, fill us fresh with your spirit. Let us be salt and light wherever we go. Help us to jump in the holes with people and help pull them out. Uh, give, us, give us that anointing. And, uh, yeah, Lord, let your blessing and your favor and your goodness rest on everyone here. And all God's people said, amen. All right, anybody needing more prayer, come on down front. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We hope this message has equipped and inspired you to transform people, your community, and the world through the love and power of Jesus Christ. Whether you're from Selma or anywhere you're listening from, we'd love to hear from you. Visit us online at www.bluejeanselma.com.